hello, my name's Epiphany Tennant. I hail from the Verdun community and I just want to give my love to you this morning. Um, I am married to um, my wonderful husband, Stephen, and he, in fact, is the reason I can stand here this morning. He has loved me and encouraged me and urged me on, and I just want to acknowledge that. And he is currently with my band of beautifully intense small humans. There is William, who is nine, Georgia, who is seven, and Hamish, who is six. Love you guys. Love you guys. I just want to thank you, though, first. Before I even begin, I just want to thank you. This is a great privilege for me to be here sharing the word with you this morning. It is truly such a gift because the word of God has been the greatest gift, one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given me. An anchor for every storm, a life raft, including in the places of parenting. Such a privilege to share the word of God with each other, isn't it? It's such a privilege. But look, I just want to acknowledge that I am normally on the other side of this screen. And full disclosure, church on the couch has not been uh, pretty for us. You know, uh, they sold it well. Church at home, church on the couch sounded relaxing, restful even. Great, you know, you can bring that cuppa that you've nuked three times in the microwave. Or, you know, the cold toast can come along too. The Uggies, perfect. And who would turn down the offer to, you know, worship with your children next to you in your home? To sit on the couch, snuggled under that blanket with those that you love most and listen to the word preached? Who would say no to that? That sounds amazing, right? Restful, restful. However, however, when the first cup of Milo was spilt, it was at this point that it became pretty clear that the novelty was probably going to wear off, you know, pretty quickly, pretty quickly. Because it wasn't just the mess that needed, uh, you know, cleaning up. It was also, you know, the fact that I missed out on my favourite song as I clean up the mess. And then I have to wipe the tears of the one who's lost that precious hot drink because I tried to make church special with often sweet sticky drinks, very helpful. And I tell you every time, every time, every time it gets spilt on the couch or on me or on the rug. Every time it's a mummy fail, every, every time. And that's not all we're crying crying about, by the way. We also uh, have the argument over the position on the couch because that's a thing. You know, it's a thing, right? It's a thing. And then there's the elbows and the knees digging into my body as my can't sit still children nestle in. I'm deep breathing as the requests come in and continue to come in for food and drink. (laughs) And when is this ending? I'm bored. (sighs) Do you hear me, mamas? Do you hear me? I just want to silence the noise. I just want to turn that on mute for a little moment. I want to forget the requests and the tugs on my sleeve and I just want to drink from his well because I need this time with my father. I just need this time with my father. 
I want to forget that I am a shepherd to these small humans and I just want to be a sheep today. I just want to be a sheep. So mamas out there, how are you going with church? How are you going, precious daughter of the King? Because this isolation business, well, does anyone feel like it's turned up the dial on motherhood? Anyone feeling like their role as mother is becoming even more complex, intense in this time of COVID? Anyone feeling like they are less competent as a mother than they ever have been before? You know, like grumpy or snappy. You know, I've made this discovery that a symptom of COVID is that PMS now lasts the full 28 days. You know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. And look, there is good stuff. There is good stuff. It's not all bad. I am loving the fact that the routines are a bit relaxed, calendars wiped clean, special family time. And, you know, at this point, some of you are rolling your eyes and going, yeah, special family time. If we could only stop arguing, if I could get my family out of their room, yes, that would be special. The challenge is real and I am gasping at the constancy of it. I'm drowning in the pile of emails from school. How is my diary less full and my head flooded? Flooded, my head is flooded, no relief. I know some of you have lost the support of um, grandparents. There's no haircut, no coffee date to pull you out of it, out of that incessant list of needs. Anyone feeling a bit empty? Feeling a bit drained of emotional, physical resources? Anyone get to the end of live streaming at church and you were there to be fed and you wanted to hear from the Father, but you just feel flat, parched of encouragement and support. And I'm not just talking to mums now, I am talking to us all. because it is impossible to be a human that doesn't get thirsty. It is actually impossible for you to be a human and to not get thirsty. It's impossible to get through this life without feeling empty or needy or hungry for more. If you're aiming for that, it's impossible. So I'm just here to say, beloved of God, you are not alone. Beloved of God, He cares and He cares deeply. His love is deep and vast and measureless. And He has made a way for us. And His gift, whether you are a mother or not, comes in the package of Isaiah 55 this morning. So we are just going to let that pour over our thirsty, needy, numb hearts. We are just going to come before Him. Though your house may be grumpy, though church on the couch might be not living up to the ideals that you had hoped for, the way they sold it. (laughs) Though you may be fighting the urge to turn off this screen because this annual celebration just reminds you of all you lost and all you long for and maybe you know it just hurts it just hurts maybe it just hurts I just want to acknowledge this day is wretched actually 
for so many. So yeah, God, we need a miracle. God, we need a miracle. We need your help to navigate today. And so I'm going to ask him, the God of the universe, to speak through that noise and even that grief and that loneliness. And I'm just going to ask him to cut through and speak to us through all that weighty emotion and unmet expectation. Father, we need you. Oh, how we need you. Every hour, we need you. And Father, I just come before you now and I ask for you to pour out your spirit on your people. We need refreshing, Father. You know how our hearts are parched. Speak through your word, Father. However, whatever we bring to the table, whatever emotion that is, whether it is celebration, we've had a great morning, (laughs) whether it is that we are a single mum and there is no one to buy a present for us. Father, whether it is that we long for children and we have never been caught mum and we are just struggling, Lord, we just bring that to you and we know that you know our need. Pour out your spirit, Father, and refresh your people. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Speaking of a thirsty and parched, I actually am literally thirsty. (laughs) Thanks, Leona. This is live. You know, God is so kind. He gets our need. He actually really gets our need because the message of Isaiah 55, get this, the message of Isaiah 55 is that God is not hindered by our problems, our mess and our need. Oh no, oh no. God, his purposes are actually achieved as we come to him in need. That's just so beautiful, isn't it? Not hindered by our need, actually achieved as we come to him in our need. So I'm just going to dive into that well of grace with you this morning. Open up your Bibles if you have one on hand and flick open to Isaiah 55. It's almost smack bang in the middle of your Bibles for those of you who still haven't really found your way around that massive book. It takes you a while, doesn't it? Let me read for you the first seven verses. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear And come to me, listen, that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I've made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, that's why, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor seek the Lord while he may be found call on him while he is near let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts 
Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. Now, if there was ever a pitch made for your heart, for your less than perfect, needy heart, that is it right there. That is God's pitch to you. (laughs) It's pleading, don't you think? It sounds pleading, those phrases on repeat. Come, listen, seek. You know, kids have this um, way of persuasion. It's called the repeat principle. You may have seen it at play before. It goes something like, can I have this? And then they ask for it again. And then they ask for it again and again and again and again. And if that fails to work, they just start from the top. You may have seen the kids at your home pull this genius move. Um, Kids know us well, don't they? They they know what's going to move us to action. They know how to bend our will. There is only so much repeating that any adult can take, right? And God uses the same technique right here. Repeating himself again and again, calling at your heart, come The father pleads, listen, the spirit cries, come, listen, seek, turn to the Lord. In a sense, he's saying the same song, just in a different way. The passage is a cry, a pleading, a desperate call to your thirsty, parched heart. And isn't it a beautiful thing that the call to come, to listen, to seek him, starts by him pointing to the weakness that we are so desperately trying to hide. The needy that we want to mask behind fake smiles and a perfect Instagram feed, he just immediately calls it out. And he says, I want you. I'm after you. Come, you, needy one, not together one. Come, close to me. He doesn't say, you know, these are the 10 steps to improve and then you can be with me. This is not a pep talk to pull up your socks and put that phone away. You're going to have to do better than that if I'm going to give you what I'm promising. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's not like us mums, you know. Clean up your room and then I'll read you the book. Or do the dishes, then I'll take you to the skate park. (laughs) His invitation is entirely different. Come, he says, while you'll ruin your life is a complete mess. And why does he want us to come in all this dysfunction and all this mess? Because he knows actually that our clean-up strategies are just not going to cut it anyway. They're not going to cut it. He asks a question in verse 2. Why spend money? Why waste your efforts and your resources on what does not satisfy We do not have the resources to satisfy ourselves. No self-care is going to fill that cavernous hole. No self-help parenting book is going to fill you. Look, they have a place. Don't get me wrong. Books can identify problems, give you strategies. But parenting is thirsty work, right? Thirsty work. And that pile of books and that list of podcasts, it's just not going to fill you. No break, no pedicure, not even your job that you go to just to get some headspace. It's not going to relieve the deep need, is it? 
You still feel empty at the end. No, he says, I want you to spend everything you have, your energy, your efforts, not on trying to fix yourself, but let that go, beloved. Let that one go. But to come close to the one who will. To come close to the one who will satisfy you, verse 3, who gives life, verse 3, who made an everlasting love promise to be with you, to redeem you, to endow you with splendor, verse 5, to freely give mercy, forgiveness. I mean, what person does not need that? See the bounty he offers? And so, beloved, he's just going to ask you over and over. Again and again, using different voices, mediums and methods. If you feel I'm saying the same thing, you know, you've heard last week and the week before and maybe at another group that you've been to, you'd be right. I've got nothing new to say. I've got nothing new to say. God is still pursuing you the way he always has. And he's not going to stop. God persistently cries out to our heart to come, to listen, to seek, to turn away from all that rubbish, all those things that are landing us back in that dark hole. Can you hear him pleading? Can you hear him pleading? He's pleading in this chapter. He is calling to your thirsty heart, but you have to respond. Did you know you had to respond? You have to turn around, you have to run back and you have to move in the direction of the call. A cry goes out in my house pretty much every day. I call to the walls of my house, anyone in the bath yet? And they all hear me. But no one responds. Uh Uh-oh, no. (laughs) Sometimes I think we forget that we need to respond to God, actually. We get so used to his voice sometimes. You heard the sermon? Good. You may have even read your Bible this week. Great. But hearing is not enough. Did you know you have to respond? Did your heart listen? Drawing close to God, being satisfied, having your thirst quenched, it doesn't happen passively, you know, by osmosis. You have to spend yourself on your way back home. It says, come without money and without cost. Yes, but it says, buy. Buy. There's something of spending yourself that we see here. You have to spend yourself or you'll be swept under the tide, taking you out to sea. There is a tug in this world, a rip, a current, an invisible thing that wants to pull you under and drag you away. It wants to drown you with the worry and flurry of self-improvement, life improvement, child improvement. And the church is not immune from its rip. Oh no, the church is not immune from its rip. It quietly infiltrates our thinking and our plans and our hopes and even our prayers, even our prayers, and it just snatches our time. It just steals away our time so that there is no time left, no time left for the coming and the listening and the seeking. We think we don't have time to draw close to God. 
And the foundation for this behaviour is a deep underestimation of what time with God will do. See, the truth is, I often think that coming, listening, seeking him is just not that productive. I can't see anything tangible at the end. It's just not that productive, productive enough for me. You know, reading your Bible, praying, seeking him every day, that's, a just, that's just a luxury for people with less to do. We have a long list of things to do, jobs around the house, relationships needing maintenance, email and text messages to reply to, deadlines to meet, and the weight of all that is heavy. It's heavy. I'm not going to deny that. But this reveals the trap. The terrible irony is that the only way to stop the tide drowning you is to come, to listen, to seek. But the thing that stops the coming and the listening and the seeking is that we believe the drowning feeling is because we haven't got our list done. We think that's the drowning. Your list tells you if you don't complete it, you are going to drown. You are going to drown. Better get onto that list today, guys. Don't drop the ball today. But the drowning actually happens when we stop coming and listening and seeking. Friends, we do not get anywhere of value without him. Parenting, life, it is thirsty, thirsty work. And get this, you are not your own water supply. Our life as believers is meant to be defined by coming and listening and seeking. Is that how your life is defined? I mean, is that the list? You know, is that always the thing that never gets unticked? on your list every day. We think if we drop the ball, if we don't get our list done, God is somehow less able. We think if we become less competent, God follows suit. But hear this, God is not relying on us. We are relying on him. And his ways are better. His way of filling us, of meeting our needs, it far far exceeds what we can do. Have a look at verse 8 to 9 now. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my, are my, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. What we find as we draw closer to the Father is that his ways are far superior to any scheme that we could come up with. But don't mistake superior for easier, more comfortable. You see, I would never have chosen a path that undid me, that would strip me of all my props and cause me to fall on my knees in need. And to be clear, parenting has undone me. I wouldn't have much preferred to be in denial about my need. The stumbling, the tripping, the surrender, the nights where I couldn't sleep and I begged for his mercy, I wouldn't have chosen to go there. But his ways are high. 
My journey into motherhood is a bending story, which is too long for now. But the short version is we had fertility problems, had treatment, and through a bumpy process, we ended up with embryos frozen. God was so gracious to give us three precious children. If you haven't met them, they're great. But we had them quickly, close together, and I found myself undone. Three children, three and under, two with special needs. My world was chaotic, overwhelming, exhausting. And every day, every day, those frozen embryos tugged at me. I didn't want to discard them. But my wisdom screamed, I cannot do more children, Lord. Oh God, Father, what have I done? It was a place of fear and need and thirst and broken. It propelled me into that uncomfortable coming and listening and seeking place to ask him a question I didn't want the answer for. And while I was there, God said, my ways are higher. He asked me to trust him, to give it all over and back to him. So we surrendered and we made appointments and we made the plan to have those next embryos implanted. And as we surrendered, God did this beautiful thing. He gave us joy, real joy. I found myself eagerly imagining and awaiting this new life. We planned an extension. We bought bunks for the children. We reshuffled our lives. We were full of anticipation. He had had turned our fear to joy. What we could not have known was the path God was leading us on did not have a little baby at the end. There would be no baby to hold or to put in the bunks that we had bought. The embryos, one at a time, were implanted and each one we lost. And we cried and we said goodbye. And the pain wounded me. The sadness crashed on my heart with such a force that I was breathless, like being winded. A year of miscarriages. The day the last little life slipped through our fingers. My deep groaning turned my face upward and I asked God a scary question. I said, why? Why have you taken me here? And in that needy seeking place, he whispered, so you could have a mother's goodbye. You see, if I had not chosen to walk through fear and have them implanted, the South Australian government would have them discarded after 10 years. And look, I would have cried. But honestly, probably more because of the uneasiness of that space than because I had lost these small ones. But God's ways are so much higher. As I came to him, as I listened to him, as I sought him out, he, ma- he gave me a chance to carry and grieve each one, to say a mother's goodbye, to grieve as a mother does, 
Because a mother's goodbye, what does that look like? It looks like someone who has lost something that they longed for, that they prayed for, that they hoped for. That is what a mother's goodbye is. It's not a guilty thing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sad thing, you know. But it was a mercy. Can you see how that was a mercy to me? It was a gift to me. I didn't deserve it. He gave it to me. Beloved of God, if you are living life without coming, without, without listening and seeking, you are being seriously shortchanged. You are missing out on seeing his higher and better ways. You are only seeing what your wisdom can do. You are missing out on seeing what his wisdom can do with your broken. Don't miss out, beloved. Spend yourself or your energy to find the thing that will satisfy you. Ask the questions that you do not want an answer for. Be brave, beloved. Seek him. Ask him. Call out to him. Be brave. Listen. Muster all the energy you can and in his grace respond. It is not a waste of your productive time to use yourself and your resources to seek him, to listen to him and to come to him. In fact, as we listen, as we seek him, he is far more productive than we could ever possibly imagine. Far more productive than we could ever possibly imagine. We think if we do A and B and C, D is going to be the result. We are so foolish. We are still thinking we're our, our own water supply. We think we're the ones that are going to teach these children to you know, love God and respect each other and be productive in life. You can't even supply what you need. How can you possibly be the water supply for them as well? God is the one that makes us thrive. God... God does not rely on us. We rely on God. And his ways are not only better, but his yield is also far superior. Far superior. Look at verse 10. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Oh, I cling to those precious truths, particularly today. This is such Good news for the weary and the empty. God has a green thumb. Did you know that? He has a green thumb. Anyone who comes, anyone who listens, anyone who seeks, anyone who the Father draws close, anything at all, it grows. It grows. It just blossoms and buds and blooms, seed for the sower, food for the eater. Did you see that? There is so much produce. It can be re-sown into the soil for an abundance in the next season. Not just food for now, but seed for the future. God never works without yielding a result. It is impossible. It is impossible for you to be near him and not be changed. And it might not be evident right now. You might feel like a naked tree in the winter. You might feel dead and lifeless and unpredictable 
productive, but if you are coming and if you are listening and if you are seeking, God's going to have his way. God is going to have his way. Come the change of the season, come the spring, it's just going to burst out of you. His word accomplishes what he desires. It also might feel like your efforts to bring your children to come, to listen, to seek God are just not worth your time. You know, you you choose your battles carefully and maybe this is a battle that you've surrendered. But there is in fact no better use of your strength, of your determination. If your stubborn mamas put it into action, this is a great time to use your stubbornness. There is no better use. Bring your child to the shepherd. Don't lose heart. So much of life is choosing to walk forward based on what we believe to be true rather than what we see. Reading my Bible to my children, taking them to God, telling them my stories about God. You know, if I looked at their faces, their little yawning, distracted faces, I would have stopped. I love you guys, by the way. I would have stopped doing this years ago. But bringing your child to the word of God, it is an act of faith, not sight. It's not sight. Don't expect sight. I bring them because I believe when God says his ways are higher, his ways are higher. I believe God when he says his purposes are always achieved. And so I continue to join the chorus that is calling them to come, to listen, to seek. Because guess what? I'm not your water, guys. I'm not their water. I'm not their water. All they need is found in him. And his purposes will be achieved. But if we needed any more encouragement to trust him, to come to listen to seek. God ends his pitch by telling us what those done deal promises and purposes are. You know, he did say back back in verse 10 and 11, you know, that he will accomplish what he desires. He will achieve the purposes. So what are those purposes? Well, he's going to tell us in these next few verses. You know, if your kids ignore your request to come to the bath, I bet that they will not ignore They, in fact, will respond with great haste when you tell them that dessert is on the table, yeah? They are going to respond then. And God ends his call to come by telling us about the dessert on the table, right? Verse 12, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thornbush will grow the juniper and instead of the briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. That's what he's got for you, thirsty needy. He will make you an everlasting sign for the glories, the Lord's glory and goodness. So if you don't like what your mirror tells you when you look every morning, change your mirror because the word of God says that you are an eternal and everlasting sign of the Lord's glory, of his goodness. What an incredible picture of joy and peace and flourishing right here. This is the undoing of the curse. The thorns and the briars are gone. 
and they are replaced with this beautifully fragrant myrtle, which, by the way, is, is a plant that only grows in, in spots of abundant water supply. And then there's the um, juniper, which is a bush that often gives shade to the needy in Scripture. So it's abundant provision, jubilant celebration. The uh, mountains, the hills, they're singing, the trees are clapping. Yet this God's plans are for you are so much better than survival. They are so much better than survival. And you might be in survival right now. I have been there sitting on the couch, willing me to stop talking, just stop talking. Because if your kids weren't bothering you before, they are now. Don't worry, I'm asking the band to come back up. I get it. I get it. Parenting, life, it's thirsty, thirsty work. Like a water tank, where the tap is just left on all of the time. And Mother's Day, that is a space of thirst. For many of us, for many of us, it just represents loss. But if you hear nothing else this morning, then just hear this. Your thirst is a siren. Your need is an alarm. Your lonely is a red alert. And it's all screaming the same message. Come, seek me. Listen to me. There are plenty of things that you could spend your energy on today. Plenty of things that you could spend your energy on this week, this month, this year. But none of it, do you believe that none of it is going to satisfy you? None of it. Spend yourself on deliberately drawing close to the Father. Trusting His ways, you know, are just so much higher And he will achieve the plans that he has for your life as you seek him first. It will cost you. It will be worth it. Live in a posture that says, Jesus, I'm not my water supply. And just come. Just come. He's made a pitch for your heart, a love letter to the lonely He wants to be near you. Don't ignore the siren. Don't let the call rattle around in the walls of your mind without responding. No one will ever care for you like Jesus. Father, your love is vast and measureless. Your care is beyond comparison. We resist you. We get so easily distracted. Don't give up on calling our hearts back to you, Father. Thank you that you persist, even though we're stubborn. Thank you that you persist. You just keep calling. You are so merciful. There is never a time where it's too late to draw close to you, Father. And Father, for anyone who is grieving, Oh, I pray, Lord Jesus, that your comfort may be very real today. Very, very real. That you might give them a glimpse into your higher and better ways. And Father, for anyone who's weighed down with guilt, thinking, Father, I I haven't come to you for ages. I don't know if I've ever come to you, Lord. I haven't read my Bible to my children and now they're grown, Lord. For anyone with a heaviness of guilt, 
Lord, will you teach them that even in that need, you have a greater and higher purpose. That you are able to do what they are not able to do. And may they be brave, Lord. Give them courage, Father, to seek you, to listen to you and to be restored. And we pray this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.